Welcome to the FPL USA Press Play Podcast. Your three hosts with a B are all locked in for a fun-filled episode of banter despite the blanks. I am Bucks, based out of Brooklyn. Let me pass the rock to my two co-hosts out on the West Coast. Brian, you are singing the Chelsea Blues alongside me. And Black Wolf, you are busy blowing bubbles with a big green arrow. How you guys doing? What's new and exciting? I mean, it's a fucking honor to be potting with two legends of the game because game week 26, the blank game week, you two are absolutely flying. My plane never left the ground, but you guys are 20,000 feet in the air, just soaring above the rest in the FPL community. So I'm going to take my seat in the back row of the plane and just try and ride your coattails because you guys fucking smashed it. So this is your episode, baby. I mean, I had low expectations for this game week, considering it's a blank game week, and it just blew last game week out of the water. To get a bigger score this week than I did last week when I had a double game week and used my triple captain is insane. So I can't wait to talk about it. I'm really excited today. Yeah, we'll give you the golf clap. And also, let's just uh, highlight your team. The Pups of Wolverhampton also got a W. So we're going to be hearing a lot of happy Black Wolf this episode. Ain't that right? That's how we like it. Well, some of us, some of us like it. The other the other two <laughs> hosts, maybe maybe we want to see our own success. I mean, Ryan, I'm cheering for you. I'm, I'm the last one on your bandwagon. I still think you can do it, baby. I do want to I say mean, commiserations to Chelsea though for for losing the cup final. That kind of sucked for you guys. I'm sorry about. Yeah, that. I was I was gonna say, Bucks. At least you know you got a massive green arrow this week. I I'm sitting in bottom ranks here with my FPL team, Chelsea, blowing it, doing jack shit in extra time. It's it's been rough. It's been rough around here this weekend. I don't really want to talk too much about the nobody cares about cup. It sure looked like Liverpool fans cared about it the way they were celebrating. Uh, that 1-0 win. And you know what? All candor, I would have been celebrating like an absolute maniac if Chelsea pulled <laughs> that game out. So it might be a Mickey Mouse cup for some, but in my family of Disney addicts, Mickey Mouse counts for a lot. So uh, all trophies count is what I like to tell some of my British peers. And yeah, Chelsea Project could have really used that trophy. Ain't that the truth? But I was only crying on the inside because like you said, I got a nice FPL score and we're back podcasting. This is what it's all about. So let's transition to focus on the blank game week 26 recap. Should we start with the high or the low? I think let's keep Brian engaged for a little bit longer. Let's start with the low score of the game week. Brian, lead us off. Nah, 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 nah. I'm going to pass. I'll, I'll pass over to Dan who crushed it this week. We're going to go from top to bottom here. Yeah, fair enough weird because i think you're used to being a bottom that's uh your preference i don't know about that i like to switch it up once in a while <laughs> books you know that um, so i got 86 this week which was a, a huge score for a blank game week especially like i said considering i got 85 last game week and i jumped from 37k into the top 10k for the first time this season so i'm really happy about that my transfer was jota to douglas Louise. i went with what i said on the podcast last week and for him to get two goals and 15 points was crazy variance. Like He's very lucky to get those 15 points. I understand that. But I decided to swerve my own team. I didn't bring in any Wolves players, and I got a lot of stick for that from people. But I enjoyed the Wolves win. I enjoyed my FPL points. Wait so a I'm second. Super Na- name names. Name names. Who gave you a lot of stick for that? <laughs> Books gave me a lot of stick for that. People Damn on Twitter right. gave me a lot of stick for that. <laughs> 
But yeah, for him to get 15 points was crazy. And then today, Bowen with a hat-trick, just icing on the cake. He shot me into the top 10k. Um, I had FPL fella, well-known on Twitter, calling me on WhatsApp, half-drunk, shouting, hat-trick, hat-trick, like a, a minute before I saw it go in on the TV. So I've had a good day today. Love to hear that from you, Black Wolf. I'll go next. I'm next up in the totem pole, joining Black Wolf in the top 15K overall. I took a nice green arrow after a minus four hit. So I end up on 76 points all out. The star of my game week, probably Riyad 8 Nori. Big differential. Uh, thanks to my pod partner, Black Wolf. I'm just twisting the knife here as I had two more Wolves players than him. So for the rest of the pod, if you guys would just like to call me Bucks Wolf, I will uh, I will not do any howls at the moon, but uh, my game week score is going to the stars right now. So I'm really happy about how blank game week kind of fixed the issue, fixed the sputtering that was happening in double game week 25. I think that's the case for both of our teams, Black Wolf. So it's really nice to be climbing back up the ranks after investing so much in that double game week 25, but... You know, KDB gets a zero pointer. There's still a number of holes in my team, even so close to having wild carded. So I took a hit this game week. I might be looking at another hit going into game week 27, but we'll save that for later in the podcast. Let's transition to our third co-host. Let's let him feel the love listeners. Chen, how'd you do in blank game week 26? It is rough times on the nation of Chen, the Chen nation. We ended up on 47 points, so only 27 points less than Bucks, or 30 points less than Bucks, and 40 points less than Dan. I mean, fuck me sideways. What kind of result is this? Going into today on Tuesday, or is it today, Monday, whatever day it is, I could not believe that I have now less points than I did before the final game of the game week started. Region, my transfer in this week, minus one. Thank you, Bowen. Thank you, Dan. Just twisting the knife, as Bucks likes to say. Man, that's a brutal noodle. That is the definition of a brutal noodle. I can't do anything about this season. I, I'm just so off the mark on on everything. And I was blinded we by. You, we have to give you credit here, though, Brian, because who was your captain? Let's talk about that. Yeah, woohoo. Woo fucking who. I got 20 <laughs> points from Sokka captain, five points over the field on the, the Holland captain. I mean, yeah, it's just been rough. I brought an Odegaard, high hopes for him, not only this week, because I think. That was part of my analysis on Newcastle is that they're really sputtering and struggling. And to have Arsenal score four goals and have no involvement from Odegaard was tough. And then to only get 10 points out of Saka as my captain was also disappointing. He created a number of big chances in that match and just uh, was unfortunate not to get a bigger haul, which is what I need at my terrible, terrible rank. So, you know, it is what it is. We keep it moving. But I think one thing I was blinded by was just going for game week 29 players instead of playing the game week in front of me and that cost me big because i would have gone with probably eight nori instead and that would have been wow 12 13 point difference so that's a make or break between a huge green arrow this past week and the hits will probably keep on coming for our brother in arms chin oh you better believe it baby you better believe it i already got minus eight lined up so it's, I'm about to click accept. I mean, we're, we're doing minus eights, minus twelves the rest of the pod. Yeah, Chen, this is like Freaky Friday, if uh, you're familiar with that amazing classic of a movie and excellent Lil Dicky song. Uh, 
because you have really embodied the Bucks wild persona with the challenging season that you're on. And I got to say, I, I really respect it. You're, you're leaning in, in a way that, uh, my, my big booty would really appreciate. Cause, uh, you know, you're, you're not only backing up the Brinks truck, you're just injecting it directly into your veins. I respect it wholeheartedly. I mean, I'm just so tilted. Uh, this will be my last part of it, my game week review, but Lascelles, who I transferred out, got one point. He he came in against Arsenal because they were getting thrashed. And man, that one point would have been so much better than the minus four I took to bring in regs. So uh, just uh, one of those things. So I'll let you boys drive the pod. I'll, I'll be here just riding your coattails, like I said. Yeah, story of the season. With that, the average was 46 points. So Chin at least beat the average FPL player, if not by only one point. So could have been two points with uh, Reggie playing any part of productive football today. However, we should just give proper glow up to our podcast partner, who was the manager of the game week. I think this is only the second time this has happened all season. I claimed the honor in game week one off my bench boost when I cheated a little bit using a chip. And Black Wolf, you're doing it cold turkey. I respect it. Press play, pod, premiership. You smashed it. You were the top scorer this game week by nine points. Bravo. Golf clap to you, Black Wolf. Love to thank see you. It. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it was a good game week. It's actually my second manager of the week in this in this league. So oh, I'm a pretty go. good season. Pretty good season. You are top 10K. And uh, could this be your best ever finish if, if all goes according to plan? If it goes according to plan, definitely. But we all know it's going to go to shit at the end, as I keep saying, because I honestly, I always fuck up my chips. Every single time I use them, we're not going to let that happen. To not use them, yeah, we're not going to let, gonna that, let happen. that happen to you. This is the Britain you. You're always the ever pessimist. Uh, <laughs> goes goes for one of the members of our inner circle friend group, Eamon. He's also British. Guy never sees joy in anything. It's it's the rainy <laughs> it's the rainy days in London. They they really rain on your parade. Oh man! All right. I mean, I Dan, think it's time. I, I just I'm just curious. I mean, you have your wild card two, bench boost, free hit all left i mean top 2000 like what do you what are you thinking here what what is your what would be your ultimate goal can you get into triple digits like what do you what do you think i mean top 10k is always the the ultimate goal for me but usually i'm just happy with top 100k and i would hope that i've, I've got that at this point but you know who knows um but a top 10k would be would be lovely i think it would do the pod a lot of justice if you or hit triple digits this year. So that that's what I'm hoping for. So I'm going to scrap my team and just uh, root vicariously through you. <laughs> Aren't we all? We all love a Black Wolf, especially when he's smiling and in a chipper mood. So with that, let's take our first break. When we come down from Cloud9 with our co-host Dan, we will break down the action in blank Game Week 26 when we come back. A blank that's better than a double. What do you guys think here? Where should we start? From the top? Should we talk about Villa? The villains? These jailbreakers just putting in double-digit performances across the front line? I was on the phone with Bucks for a while before the deadline a couple minutes, and we were hashing out some options, and he was spot on. He was between bringing in Dougie Louise, Bailey, or Bowen. And all those three guys banged this week. So talk about your double up in the villain side that led to green arrows. 
Yeah, I can take this one. I brought in Watkins and Douglas Louise for Darwin and Jota. I don't think that plan could have gone any better for the FPL points. Ollie Watkins gets a goal and assist. He lands on nine points total. And it's worth mentioning, he is now the top scoring player in the entire FPL game. So old faithful Ollie Junkyard Watkins is outscoring Salah. He's outscoring Holland. He's just that dude right now, this FPL season. He's totally transformed with Unai Emery as his coach. And this Villa team at home is a wagon. They're a team that we need to start really making sure we target each time they play in front of the home crowd. They're going to score three or four goals and look really solid. I think they are one of the surprise for the good this FPL season and this Premier League season. Ollie Watkins, at this point, we have to think, is he a set and forget for the whole season? They're going to play through the blanks. He consistently gets 90 minutes. He's consistently returning. Even in the game weeks where they don't double, he's still a good asset to hold, I feel. I just, I, I don't see myself taking him out. I really don't. Agreed. Brian, any commentary on Watkins? Is is he is he one of the good the good luck charms that you think you're going to get back on this this game week or in the coming game weeks? Yeah, I mean, I have had him in my side for a while. I think the main thing that we're seeing under Unai Emery is the multiple goals per game that he's being involved with. In the past couple seasons, he was good for maybe a goal or maybe an assist, but he didn't have these larger games where he was double returning. And that ceiling has just gone up a level that is going to guarantee that he has a big price rise next season because of his uh, his consistency. So, yeah, I mean, he's going to be on 225, 250 points. Like what the ceiling is so high for him this season with still so many games to play. So it's it's crazy. So not much more to say about Watkins. You want to have him in your side. But this Dougie Louise situation. All right, boys, come on. Glow yourselves up. Take some of that shine away from Dan's bald head and tell us <laughs> tell us the story of one defensive midfielder, Dougie fucking Louise. Teach me how to Dougie. So I, I put this guy in mainly because of Aston Villa's really good attack at home. The fact that he's on all set pieces, the fact that he's on pens, and the fact that they play in game week 29. But like I said earlier, for him to get two goals from open play with such a low XG was crazy lucky variance. Um, I still think he's a very, very good asset to have. People that went with Huang for the potential attacking returns that he could have got, I think that was a very, very good decision. I think it's hindsight to say, oh, you should have went with Douglas Louise. He was very lucky to get those points. But, you know, it was a good decision, I feel, from me and Bucks to bring him in. And you say he's a defensive midfielder, but I have been talking to a couple of Villa fans, and it seems to be that McGinn has also taken up that defensive midfield spot. If you watch the game, they kind of switch it up. We saw Douglas Louise get into that Odegaard position on the edge of the 18 box quite frequently in that home game. So I think it's perfect for him to get those cutbacks from Watkins or Bailey or whoever and get those shots on goal. So I'm, I'm very happy with bringing him in. What about you, Bucks? Yeah, great analysis. I'm glad you shouted that out about the positioning and how he's really picking up positions in the attacking third that are leading to great chances. I mean, he only had two shots this game. One of them, excuse me, three shots two of them on target, both of them end up in the back of the net. So he had 0.55 XG according to FootMob, which isn't great. So the fact that he ends on two goals is massive, and it just shows the kind of form and ruthlessness that Aston Villa are in, especially when they play in front of the home crowd. So 
Bravo to Douglas Louise and any owners who brought him in. It's the first time I had him in my team all season. And I think it's notable that he's still 5.6 million. He's a bonus point magnet. As you said, Dan, he's on penalty kicks. And right now, he's the eighth highest scoring player in the entire FPL game. So he's a massive bargain. And it's not like he's just popping up with this return or a big haul every now and again. He's consistently doing it. And whenever he gets a goal, it seems like he gets at least two bonus points. So I think he's essential for the next couple of game weeks. He could even be a priority transfer in at his price, enabling other moves in your team. I really like having him in my team. Feels good. It always feels good after you get a massive double-digit haul. I think that's probably one of his largest hauls ever in FPL. So congrats to all those who brought him in this week. Meanwhile, just a little bit of a villa roundup here. Their defense is terrible. They got injuries all over the pitch. I started cash this week, one-pointer. Moreno goes off injured. I believe Pau Torre is also injured. This team is going to be in a lot of shootouts. And I know last week in the pod, I predicted a 3-2 match, and this one ends up 4-2. So if you're looking to build towards a Game Week 29 team, going triple attack might make sense. You know, At least two of those guys from Villa will be in a free hit team. And Bailey is always impressive whenever he's on the pitch. He's just a little bit injury prone, but he comes in with 12 points in this one as well. So yeah, I think the, the attackers are the only guys to get the rest of the defense stay away. And Martinez has been like low key, like pretty bad the last couple of matches too, a little bit out of his form. So don't like any of the picks in defense. Agreed. Let's transition to another team that's on an absolute heater. And that's the gunners of Arsenal. They smash Newcastle 4-1 at home. And they're just blasting through everyone in 2024 in the Premier League. Champions League, Let's uh, we won't talk about that too much. This is not a UCL fantasy podcast. It's a fantasy Premier League podcast. So with that, let's first start with your captain, a hauler in your team. One of the few, Brian. Saka, 10 points, one goal, clean sheet, and two bonus points. Let's just shout out some of the amazing stats that Bakayo is putting up at the moment. I think the form of Saka is unmatched right now. I think if you have been on him as captaincy over the last six or seven game weeks, you would really be flying. And I've seen a few teams that are just uh, all out arsenal attack and they've done quite well. So this, this team versus Sheffield United this week, I'm really hoping Odegaard comes good for at least a seven or eight pointer in that one. And expect them to just do the business, even though it's uh, at Chef U. So Saka this week, I know we'll talk about it later for captaincy, but I think he's a a great shout. And this team is just scoring at a much higher rate than City. And if you want to go differential and go against Holland, which is what I did last week, I think now is a great time to do that, especially with KDB being in and out of the side, a little less creativity for the Manchester Blue team. Yeah, I, I think Saka and the squad doing work. Yeah, I think people like yourself who bought in Odegaard were unlucky majorly not to get a return in that Newcastle game. I still think he's an excellent pick. And you're going to hope to make those points back next week against Sheffield United for sure. I think that's the perfect matchup for him because they need to break down that resilient defence that Sheffield United have, especially at home. So, Do you not know you... the word uh, resilient? Uh... <laughs> you saw it against Wolves. They're just going to pack the bus and it's going to require some ingenuity in that midfield spot where Odegaard is to break them down. I still think they'll probably win 5-6 now, 
But I think yeah. this is a better game for Odegaard than Newcastle was. That's what I'm saying. You got to stop disagreeing with me, Brian, because I'm going to just keep proving you wrong. <laughs> yeah, for context, we should say that Arsenal are 6-0 and in the new year. For Saka, this is his fifth straight game with a goal, which is a record for him. Very impressive. And he's absolutely in his bag as the talisman for the Gunners. It's his third straight double-digit FPL haul. He had a 15-pointer, a 15-pointer, and now 10 points. So he's outpacing Holland, and he's been a better pick than Holland for about two and a half months now. I mean, obviously Holland missed time, but Saka is the second top point scorer in the FPL game. And as you mentioned, he plays the chefs of Sheffield United next. So holy cow, he he could be in for another ginormous haul in game week 27. I'm here for it. I'm, I'm right now, my bus team has the armband on Bakayo. Baby, let's roll. Yeah, and it was interesting to see the goal from Gabriel not even given, not even given as an FPL assist that comes from a corner from Saka. And uh, we we were hoping that that was going to lead to a lot more points in our side. So it was very annoying as a Gabriel owner to not get an FPL assist and then to get the clean sheet wiped very late in that one. So better days ahead and next week they could easily haul. But the it's interesting that the, the center backs like Dunk, VVD, Gabrielle, they're in top goal scoring form right now. So those guys continue to dong. Yeah, if we're going to let Black Wolf uh, get some hindsight glow ups, I'm, I'm going to take one victory lap right now because I've been shouting Havertz as a potential good differential pick. And he did it once again. This is his second straight one goal, one assist performance. He had 12 points last game week. He has 14 points this game week. He is a player that is finally in a team, in a structure, in a formation where he really makes sense. He's arriving late. He's picking up great positions in and around the opponent's box. This could be what Kai could have been at Chelsea. He's he's really, really fitting in nicely for Arteta. And I think I don't think Gabby Jesus gets his job back. I think right now Havertz is just exploding with finesse, with form, with function in that Arsenal team. He's fitting in much better than Gabby J ever was. Yeah, he, he's doing really good. That was, that was a good shout from you. And it, it kind of highlights the only problem I have with the Arsenal attack is they, they get so many goals, but they spread them across everybody. One week it's Havertz that holds, the next week it's Odegaard, the next week it's Trossard. The only person who seems to be consistently getting returns every single week is Saka. So I do love the triple up in the Arsenal attack. It's just, who do you go for, you know? Now, let's see. Right now, they're on 25 goals scored for and three goals against in the new year. So they're playing away to Chef U. Is they Are they going to hit 30 goals before they let four goals pass in 2024? What do you think? Yeah, for sure. I, I don't see it. anything but a clean sheet against Sheffield United. I, I really don't. Yeah, I think it could be another five-goal, four-goal walloping uh, for Arsenal. It's it's a good time to be a Gunner supporter. As someone who only owns one Arsenal defender, though, you're going to want Sheffield United to score because of their effective ownership. So I'll be hoping Sheffield, you get a goal. Nah, who cares? <laughs> the chefs suck, and they're towards the bottom of the table for a reason. Let's go to the league champions. Manchester City, they're not playing like world beaters right now. Brian, I know we talked about that offline. 
they really have to up their form. They keep getting results, but they're not going to win the treble if they keep playing like this. They're they're leaving things way too tight against opposition that really should have no business staying on the pitch with them. 1-0 against the Cherries? Eh, that's not good enough. Without Holland being in top goal scoring form, they seem to be struggling mightily in the, the final third. They're taking a lot of shots, but they're not really that threatening at the moment. And with KDB out of the side, and thanks for fucking nothing, KDB. Comes in off the bench, gets a yellow card in six minutes. Wow. Yeah, Fantastic. all that good Fantastic. hair and zero FPL points. What a boner jam. Damn it. I, I know, right? So I guess, you know, he's just going to be rested and rested until they match up with Liverpool is my assumption. Um, I mean, Foden, though, I think remains a great pick. I know a lot of managers are thinking about moving on from him. I just think that his pedigree and the way he's been playing and playing 90 minutes in a lot of these matches, he, he's still a great pick if you can have him as your fourth midfielder. I think it'll be a towards game week 29 and when they likely blank, then you could get rid of him. But I still like him for the next few matches. Um, Manchester United usually gets slapped five fingers to the face slapped by city in that uh, matchup. So I'm happy to start both those guys, but KDB, I fell into this sticky trap. Once again, I have it in my notes for the season that this will be the last time I ever own KDB in FPL. And it's like, it's tear, It's making me tear up a little bit. That, that's also why I have the blues this week on top <laughs> of all my other shit show of, uh, of an FPL season. It's just sad to say goodbye to KDB. I feel like Manchester United at home, though, is the perfect game for KDB. If you take him out before that game, you're taking a a big risk. Surely he plays that game in the Manchester derby. Yeah, I agree. I don't think it's a priority move out, but I definitely would not be itching to get KDB back in or into my team if I don't have him already. He's a kind of complete cross-off because his minutes are unreliable. And honestly, as a consistent Holland captainer, I'm going to have to really think about whether I continue to give Holland the armband if KDB is not confirmed to be starting by some of the early in the know accounts like at FPL Tony, who's doing great work on the Man City team leaks across X on social media. But without KDB in the side, Holland is just not getting enough quality chances and he's not getting into those kind of starting runs directly at the goalkeeper, which KDB is so adept at setting up. So uh, it's just something to note right now with City. They are struggling to create easy goals for the robot. And I don't think we've seen that at all since he came into the Premier League. Yeah, this season's team is just so different when you look at year over year. The Citizens, last year, you're going to have just crafty, clever players like a Gundogan, like a Riyad Mahrez who know how to get the ball inside the final third to Holland. And I think when you look at some of these scrubs like Kovacic and uh, Nunez and they, you know, they, they can cross the ball, but it, it's not, it's not threatening. It's not throughout the run of play where it's a buildup and Doku, for example, as well, he hasn't connected with Holland this whole season. They've played like a thousand minutes together on the pitch. So it's 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 problematic and he's missing some big chances i still think he's going to end up with 25 plus goals on the season and probably be the favorite to win golden boot but i think now if you want to go against him for for captaincy that's a a a good way to possibly risk it and gain rank i like that chat i like that a lot a lot a lot a lot all right i think it's time let's 
silence ourselves, Brian. We're going to have to control ourselves for 45 seconds. And let's give Black Wolf his time to shine and gloat about the Wolves of Wolverhampton, who are now up to eighth in the Premier League table after a 1-0 win against the Chefs. They got revenge against the Chef U's. So, Black Wolf, well, I, fuck I them think- all. Fuck them I all. Think, Go crazy. I think this should be a joint section this week between Black exactly. Wolf and Buckswolf. You have two of their assets and I don't own any of them. So we should share it this week. But yeah, as a fan, I'm obviously very, very happy with that victory and up to eighth place. We're actually, you know, we're getting close to Europe. So I'm starting to dream about Europe at this point. Maybe I'm being a little too optimistic, but it's definitely possible. The game went kind of how I expected. I said it last week. Just Sheffield United, they just constantly sit back against us and we really struggle against those sides. However, for He Chan Huang owners to come away with a blank is, is very unlucky. I think we should have got more goals against them, to be fair. And if you have Huang, if you have Neto, I actually think the Newcastle game next week is probably a better game for them because we play so much better on the counter-attack when Neto has lots of space to run into. So there's a lot of people who saw Huang's blank this week and they're like, ah, fuck it, he's going on my bench now next week. I, I would really think about that, actually. Bucks, we have to talk about Ryan Eitnery because you put him into your wildcard team and he came away with 12 points, one assist, a clean sheet, three bonus points. You must be happy with that. Yeah, that's sexy beast Eitnery to you, Black Wolf. He is, he's my guy. He's my guy. He gets the assist, the clean sheet, the three bonus points, 12 huge FPL points in a fixture, which is why I brought him into my wildcard team. This is really the sole reason he made the cut. And for him to deliver in such a big way and really outshine Kilman and Dawson, who are more of the set-piece specialists, oh, it felt so good. It felt really, really good. But we should just say that both of us and Chen, we lost our estate on the private island because it wasn't Huang or Neto. It was this damn Sarabia fella who gets the goal and the game winner. He's he's low-key putting together a really nice campaign. I think Cunha... Wang, Neto, Sarabia, they're all firing on all cylinders for Wolves right now. Gary O'Neill is cooking with gas. Yeah, Ga- Gary O'Neill has really brought the best out of these players. Sarabia is having an excellent season. And honestly, I-, I don't think he would have gotten into the eleven if it wasn't for Huang going to the Asia Cup, Neto getting injured, Cooney getting injured. He's kind of consistently getting stats because of those injuries. And now he's really fought his way into the best eleven, where Gary O'Neill is going to have to make a big decision on who his best front three is. But Sarabia, at the price he is, I think he's 4.6, 4.7. He shares a lot of the set pieces. He could potentially be on penalties. We still don't know for sure if it's Huang or Sarabia who's going to take them. So, he, you know, some people went there and they got the points this week. And they weren't lucky. It was a, a good decision. Yeah, he's a good pick and a real budget enabler. One quick thing I want to say about Wolves. I think us He Cheng Wang owners were very lucky because... I don't know if you guys saw it, if you were already awake for this match, but he went down and it looked bad in the warmups. I thought this was <laughs> going to be a repeat of the Adebayo absolute disaster that happened in double game week 25 to my team. I thought it was going to be two and two, two of my differential picks, both going down without seeing the pitch in warmups. So I think even the three points that we did good, we did good managers who went there. And like you said, Black Wolf, He's going to have chances to score and get a haul in 27. So I wouldn't be so quick to uh, sell off and jump off the Huang bandwagon. He did look a little off it in that game. I'm hoping it was just because of that little knock he took in the warmups, like you said. 
But it, it is one to keep an eye on. He doesn't look fully fit to me right now. So I'm, I'm hoping he gets some recovery time before the Newcastle game because we're going to need him for that game. I would wait till pressers to just hear yes. if you get any news because if he is a little bit out of uh, his own health, then it probably makes him a good first bench option and play one of your other eight attackers if you're set up that way. Yeah, he was in the human centipede position like Brian has been most of the season. Uh, you really got to love that. <laughs> yep, I'm constantly eating your shit, Bucks, on the pod, in real life. Wow. It's it's rough, it's rough. I didn't wow, know this about got this. Dark and, this got dark and gruesome really quickly. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll brighten the mood by looking ahead to Game Week 27. Game week 27 is ahead of us, a regular game week for all FPL managers. With that being said, we have some important news that will come to fruition this week, including the results and draw from the FA Cup. Now, we have not really dove too deep into our chip strategies at this point in time, but they will become much, much more clear within the next couple of days. So, gentlemen... Any wisdom, any words to the wise to share at this point before we have the blank game week 29 coming up? I mean, the most obvious advice here is to wait until the FA Cup fifth round fixtures have finished and wait until we see the draw for the next round because that's going to really help you decide on your chip strategy and your transfer strategy in the game weeks ahead. There's no way you should be making early transfers this week because you might find out a player you're bringing in is blanking. You might find out a player you're taking out is actually not going to blank. I think if you're going to swerve free hit 29, you're probably going to want some upsets to happen. And if you're going to free hit 29, you probably want it to go as planned so there's more blanks. So it's really important you hold your transfers this week. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. And we have a few questions in the FPL community questions section that we'll talk around as well involving what we might want to see happen in order to swerve a free hit. So stay tuned for that tease a little bit later. Ain't that the truth. Let's talk about the best matches to target for FPL halls in game week 27. Let's kick us off with Liverpool at Nottingham forest. What do we think the score is going to be here? How many, how many goals are the pool players going to knock past forest? Who the fuck is going to play for Liverpool? That's, That's what, what I was going to say. <laughs> I mean, this squad has a FA Cup match this week. It'll be interesting to see if the kids get rolled out again um, with a couple of the mainstays in defense. But it's it's kind of an interesting position to be in because a lot of us might have Darwin, for example. Is he going to be fit to play? If so, decent differential this week. Maybe you hold off on bringing in Solanke another, you know, one more game week. So in terms of the rest of the squad, Salah, even if he's fit, I want to see him play a couple games in a row before I even think about spending 13 plus million on him. So it's a it's a stay away for me, even though I I am chasing this season. What do you guys I, think? I have, the, I have the exact same thoughts here. I think usually Liverpool against Nottingham Forest, you're probably going to want a triple up of Liverpool players. But now a lot of people are going into this game with no players because, like you said, who do you have? I think Virgil Van Dykes. If you have him, he's a definite start because he's going to play. He might get some. Some more headers because he seems to be getting them every single game these days. Like he's like their chief said, attacker. He's the he best is. attacker right now. He is. 
Salah, I agree with what Brian said. Darwin, I have the exact scenario that Brian said. I'm thinking of taking him out for Solanke. But if I hear he's fit and he's going to play this game, he might be a really nice differential. Um, Jota, usually I would play and I would happily even think about captaining him this week, but he's injured. Luis Diaz looked like he had a knock at the end of the FA Cup and he played 120 minutes. So whether he plays this game, I don't know. I don't know if this is going to be a, a game for Halls. I'm co- I'm starting Verge with confidence. I think still, doesn't matter who plays for Liverpool. I think this is probably 2-0. If we hear it's a slightly stronger lineup, maybe 3 or 4-0 to the Liverpoolians. Nah, I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't think the clean sheet is going to exist. At Forest, the, the Forest fans are going to get their team up and A1E will snag a late goal or something like that. But I mean, I'm, I'm praying because I'm going to be starting Connor Bradley or whatever his fucking name is uh, this this week as well. So hope, hoping for a, a clean, but don't really expect one. I think uh, I think 3-1 is the final scoreline. All right, next up, Palace travel to their London rivals, Spurs. And we should note that Spurs are going to be a team in vogue in the transfer market because they're coming off the blank. They're going to play in game week 29, regardless of what happens in the FA Cup fifth round. And they will have a double coming up shortly thereafter, which is yet to be confirmed. So what do we think here? Are Palace going to nick one past the leaky Spurs? Of course. Yeah, you always expect Tottenham (laughs) to concede the way they're defensive, especially if Poro and Udogi are still out. I think they will concede. But this is a great game for their attackers. And like I said on the podcast last week, if you're someone who wants to avoid free hits, Targeting Tottenham, targeting West Ham, and targeting Aston Villa is who you're going to go for. So this is probably a good week to bring in Tottenham assets, and I think they're going to be very popular this week. I think we're going to see price rises for a lot of their assets, like Cern and Richardson or even Madison. So I'm certainly looking at their assets this week. Dan, this is off script. If you had to rank the Spurs players, can you give us a quick preview of how you're thinking about it? Yeah, for me it would be Cern, Madison, and then Richardson. I think I think I would triple up on their attack, especially if you're free hitting 29, because their attack is so good. Richarlison would usually be higher up, but I think he's going to get a lot more reduced minutes now that they have a full set of attackers and so many good attackers. Sun is clearly the number one for me. I think he's going to get the most game time. He's also on penalties. He's their talisman. So Sun and then Madison, then Richarlison for me. That makes sense, especially with the likes of Werner. Brandon Johnson off the bench will likely see some reduced minutes from Richie in the upcoming weeks. But at the price point, he's the cheapest. It kind of scales, right? It's like Richie's 7.2 or so. Maddo's 8. Sun is 9.596. So it's all different price points. So it really depends what you want to do in your midfield and spreading that cash around. But I love Sonny. Maybe he'll bring me some joy when I bring him in this week and Hopefully, uh, say goodbye to KDB. Oh, like that. All right, next up, Villa travel to the Lutonians. Just because I have two Wolves players doesn't mean I can't also have two Lutonian players, Dan. It's not a sign of love. It's a sign of sickness in my FPL team. Ain't that the truth? What's going to be the score here? I I think it'll be a close one. 2-1, 3-1 to Aston Villa. Luton are a different outfit at home. Aston Villa are a different outfit away. I don't think they're going to run rampant like they would in the reverse fixture. So I have Douglas Louise. I'm actually debated to bench him this week, depending on who I bring in and who I start. So that's going to be a decision that both of us books are going to have to make. 
I yeah, wouldn't I think... be comfortable. Sorry, I wouldn't be comfortable starting a Luton defender. That's for sure. I think a lot of people own Doughty, and some people are going to be forced to play him. I'm not sure I like that against Aston Villa. Definitely don't like that with the uh, top point scorer in the FPL game, Ollie Watkins leading the line. I think you just start the Aston Villa players. There's going to be chances here. Luton, as strong as they've been, they're they're leaky in defense. And they've been robust at home, but not robust enough to scare me off a team that's fighting for Champions League qualification, uh, traveling to them in what's kind of a must-win game for Villa. They need to kind of keep pace with the top three, which is Arsenal, Man City, and Liverpool. And they're not too far ahead of Tottenham and Man United to start getting comfortable. So I think 2-3-1 to Villa. I would be so happy if Adebayo could miraculously recover for this game. That way I can maybe roll a transfer. That would be a godsend to my FPL team. Let's close it out with Arsenal traveling to the Chefs. We spoke on Arsenal and the massive form they're in, where Chef United players are smacking each other in the face. The season's gotten so bad. So what's going to be the predicted scoreline here? Probably 3 or 4-0, given the form and the quality of the opponent. That's that's what I'm hoping for, especially if you're thinking about captaincy, you know, is the potential for three or four goals really high? And if so, I think captaining Saka is a great shout this week. Yeah, I don't, I don't see anything other than an easy victory for Arsenal here. It's also the last game of the game week on the Monday at 12 o'clock Pacific time. I think it'll be a, a good game week for your captain. Just get that last game of the game week. You know, I'm all about timing on this podcast. So, yeah, I like it. I'm actually scared not to have double Arsenal defence this week. There's a lot of people that have that, and we've been getting quite lucky as non-owners with them conceding the way how good their defence is. I think this might be the week we suffer from that. One quick thing. I think that Bowen beats Saka to the Premier League hat-trick. Saka's never had one, and with the form that Starboy is in, he's going to come extra hungry. He might even skip the pre-meal, the pre-game meal, so he can have tons of room in his lunch bag for three goals to try and match <laughs> what Jarrod did in blank game week 26. I think Saka might be hand and fist higher than the next highest point scorer in FPL. I think he is going to be a great captaincy option and you got to be bold to go against Holland. I mean, especially against Manchester United who city tend to feast against any call against the robot is a bold call, but Saka in the form of his life, Arsenal in the form of their fans' wet dreams. It's all coming up gunners at the moment. <laughs> uh, you and wet dreams, Bucks. Oh, my goodness. I've been spending too much time as a fly on Black Wolf's wall. Let's go to the best matches in real life. Hey, I see I see a Wolves mention here. Who are they playing? Wolves are going to be traveling to St. James's Park to face Newcastle. And it's actually a great game because they're right next to each other in the table. Wolves can actually pull away from Newcastle if they get a victory here. So I'm excited for this one. And I think we have the ability to beat them. The way they're playing right now, the way they're defending, they're there to beat. I'm actually disappointed we don't have Cunha in this game because I think we would beat them comfortably, to be honest. But you never know with Newcastle. They can just suddenly turn up, especially at home. They can suddenly turn up and pull out this amazing performance. And I'm just hoping it isn't this week. I'll go 2-1 with the home side winning. I was not impressed with the offensive performance from the Wolves. Obviously, they'll have a little bit more room to work with in this match, but I think um, given the the recent troubles that this Newcastle team 
has had, it's probably a bigger match for them than it is for Wolves, especially in home in front of their home fans. Agree with you on that last point, Brian. I think 2-2. I think this is going to be a cagey yet entertaining match. And I think both teams almost need to go for it. Like you said, Brian, it's an important game for Newcastle as they look to steady the ship. And Wolves, they want to keep winning. They're, they can sniff Europe. And why not? A team that is FFP trouble, if they can make an additional competition, that's extra money in their pockets. That's going to help transfer business both bring players in to attract them to additional fixtures. It's all good at Molyneux right now. So I think this is a must win for both teams. So we're going to expect a wide open, fun contest. Let's close it out. The Manchester Derby, always appointment viewing. It used to be competitive where the Reds were the dominant side. And in recent times, it's been the light blue side that just smashed the shit out of the Old Trafford-based team. Who we got? What's how many points is Holland going to score for FPL managers this game week? I think I think City are going to destroy Man United here. I just have a feeling, and I know you guys are talking about Saka captaincy, but I'm fully on Holland this week. I can see a hat trick, honestly, especially with the healthy KDB maybe coming into the side and starting and playing 65 minutes, setting up Holland time and time again. I mean, the who's that new guy for a uh, Fulham? Muniz. Somebody or other, the new striker. Yeah, Muniz. I mean, he, Muniz. he was giving he was giving Manu a lot of trouble, and uh, yeah, I think this one should be four one for the citizens. They concede so many chances. Man United do. It's ridiculous how many chances they concede. And I I really think Kevin De Bruyne will play this game if he's fit. He has to. It's the Manchester derby. So Haaland and Foden and and Kevin De Bruyne together. I don't see anything but a comfortable victory here. So I'm definitely captaining Haaland. Yeah, I want to shout out a great lad in the FPL USA community, FPL Frazier, who's a diehard Manchester United fan. He made a great point from that last game where Fulham without Polina were still ripping through Manchester United's middle like hot butter. And the way that there's so much space between the Manchester United number eight, who's Bruno, and their defense, it's just inviting attack after attack after attack. And Fulham really feasted. The fact that it was 2-1 was very flattering to Manchester United. That easily could have been 3 or 4-1 to the Fulham side. So I think City, with their midfield assets, with their attacking talent, yeah, I, I think 4-1, 5-1 could easily come true. One of the problems that the Red Devils have right now is without Hoyland in the side, they're shifting around all of their assets to play in worse positions. They don't have a backup number nine that can just slot in for Hoyland. And therefore you're shifting Garnacho, you're shifting Rashford. And it just did not work. It didn't look great at all. I'm not sure what their XG was. I know they took a lot of shots in that game, but when you're matching up against city, they're going to exploit that. And I think again, the lack of midfield presence, we're going to see Rodri probably have a big game in terms of pivoting the ball up the field and even getting some late runs potentially. So it's going to be an interesting one for sure. I can't wait to have that as a nice end of our, you know, Sunday morning. I I like the time slot for that fixture. Yeah. Big game. I think it's going to be the Holland versus McSauce party. And it's going to be who could score more goals from a tall physical specimen like McTominay and Erling Holland. We'll see. Let's take our last break. When we come back, we'll dive into our mailbag of community questions 
and get out of here by covering our initial transfer plans and captaincy shouts. Mailbag. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for engaging with us on the socials. We love to help you and your FPL managerial questions. So let's dive in. And one question we have is from Paz, one of the friends of the show, somebody who we should probably try and get on one of these days. He wants to know our general thoughts on wildcard 27 and what would we need to see in the FA Cup to possibly make that viable? Dan and I both have our wild cards at the moment. Any thoughts on wildcard 27 initially, Dan? I haven't really considered it. I think for it to be a consideration, it's going to have to be used in combination with three hit 29. I have seen some people suggest wildcarding in 27, free hitting 29, and then using the players you're bringing in for the really good fixtures after 29. I think that's the only way I would personally use it. If my team is looking really bad for the next couple of weeks, and it's looking like I'm going to have to take a whole bunch of hits to field a team in 29. And it also means I'm bringing in players for 29 who don't have good fixtures in 27 and 28. I think that's when you should really consider it. But if you can get a good team out in 29, as well as having the top assets from the other team, and you can comfortably swerve 29 then I would hold your wildcard till later on. I got two cents to drop in here. I think that if there are some FA Cup upsets, then... The whole community might be shifting their perspective. You mean cup sets. Come on, Bucks. You got to nail that Yes, nice nice dad joke. I think Chelsea are a real threat to lose to Leeds. Leeds have won, I believe, 13 out of 14 games in the new year. They're absolutely on fire in the championship, and they're in much better form than Chelsea are in the the Premier League. That's without question. And then maybe one or two other shockers. Maybe if Manchester United lose – And so their fixture can go on. Or if Wolves have a fixture, maybe if Brighton lose, that would be hugely beneficial. So I think that if there are popular teams like Chelsea, like Arsenal, that end up having fixtures in 29, you could wildcard a really strong team together in 27 with Palmer, with triple Spurs, with double or triple Villa and triple Arsenal. And there you go. You're you're well set to attack not only game week 27 to 29 but also well set up for the stretch run i mean a lot of people already have the arsenal assets and palmer so if the chelsea and arsenal match were to happen i would actually lean further away from wild carding or free hitting and saving that until 30 or 31 and then using your free hit chip in 34 or 37 because those are guys that are already heavily owned now if that fixture is off then again then it's much more difficult i think you'd have to really hope that maybe Manchester United drops into the blank game week 29 instead. Yeah, I think I think it's tough. I mean, some people are even talking about wildcarding 27 and then free hitting in 29 and just playing it that way. And that that's a little bit too crazy for me to use those chips in quick succession like that. But yeah, there's lots of ways to go. And we just we just need a few more notes from midweek to figure it out. I'm in the same boat as you, Brian. Like I disagree with what you're, what you're saying, books. I think that if we find out Arsenal and Chelsea are playing in 29, I think that's even more reason not to wildcard because you can easily bring in the best Arsenal assets and the best Chelsea assets with free transfers and definitely not have to use your wildcard. But if you are going to use your wildcard, Brian, Brian, I actually do like the wildcard 27 free hit 29 combination. I, I think that's the only time I would use it. 
I honestly think there's more gains to be made later on. I, re I really do. Yeah, it depends what kind of manager you are. I think. Yeah. With this, with this looming bench boost, like if you're gonna wild card in 27, would you consider bench boosting in 28 and then free hitting in 29? Like, that there is some talk about possible bench yeah. boost in 28 as a differential, and the double game week in 34 is gonna become a lot more clear. And right now, the odds on favorites to double in 34 are a bunch of the shitty teams. Like you're thinking about maybe Crystal Palace, Sheffield United, Brentford, or not Brentford, um, Brighton. I mean, a, a few decent assets, but not a full attacking double game week with the top sides in it. So if you're going to use your wild card earlier, maybe you can gain that kind of edge over your opponents in the next kind of five game weeks. So yeah, we, we need more information, but it's I'm ready to pull the trigger on some of these chips. That's for sure. Yeah, I agree with that sentiment. I think that free hit in 34 will be much more successful than a free hit in 29, regardless of how many fixtures there are in 29. I almost think that a lot of managers are going to scrape the barrel with maybe eight players. And yes, yeah, some managers are going to use the free hit and get 11, 12 players, have a, have a playing bench just in case. But I think when you have a double game week in 34 with players from Crystal Palace, from Burnley, from... Ugh, all these other shit teams, it's going to feel better to have two chances at the apple for those picks and then rip them right the fuck out of your team going back into 35. So that's how I am planning to use my free hit chip, which is the only chip I have left in my holster for this FPL season. From a devil's advocate position, the way that you're looking at 29 free hit is that you're only drawing from a small select pool of players, but your advantage is you'll have 11 players no matter what. Whereas in 34, you're going to have possible punts on double game week players from really bad teams where we have the single game week players who are in non free hit teams pop off. So there's going to be a balance. If you are going to free hit in 34 where you're like, okay, do I need Saka in my side instead of a double game week player that isn't as good of an asset on a, on a worse team. And so there is obviously, you know, you're getting two chances to hopefully get a haul, but is as going to be able to haul and play two matches in a row? Like, I don't, I don't know if his ceiling is any higher than Saka in a single game week. So if you're going to look at free hitting in 29, you know, you're guaranteeing yourself the best picks from a smaller pool of players. So there's probably a lot more math to go into and we'll know more information soon, but I think you just need to critically think about where your edge is going to be based on how your team is set up. Great shout, Paz. Let's go to the next question from at my Cayman fan, at Matt. He's asking, who's more essential to bring in this game week, Dom Slanky or Hyungman Sung? Let's give you the baton, Dan. I think it depends on what kind of manager you are because Solanke is so highly owned right now. He's owned by so many managers. If he does anything in this game against Burnley, your rank's going to take a big hit. And he also has that double game week coming in game week 28. So for me, Solanke, for those reasons, is a higher priority transfer. But I do really like bringing in Sun. I think it's a great fixture for him at Crystal Palace. They play in blank game week 29. So I actually really like both of these players, but I would say... So I would say bring them both in over the next couple of weeks. But if I had to pick who is more essential this week, I would say Solanke because of his ownership. 
Agreed. And he plays the three worst defenses in the next two game weeks. So they each have three matches over the next three game weeks, which is interesting to note. But Sun plays one match a game week and Solanke plays once against Burnley this week and then twice before blanking in 29. So I think the move is to get Solanke for 27. That way you get those three fixtures. If you have KDB, if you have Foden, keep them for one more game week and then make the move to Sun next game week. I'm I'm hoping to avoid taking a hit, if at all possible, uh, by being pragmatic, as you taught me. That's a, a SAT word that Black Wolf taught Bucks on this podcast, and I've I've ran with it. So, uh, Brian, what say you here? Look, Solanke is in much better form. I think that's something else we have to consider as Sun comes back from the Asian Cup. I mean, you watched it firsthand, Dan. He did jack shit. Zero shots attempted versus Wolves. Played a full 90 minutes sitting on the left wing. Four crosses, only one successful. So you better hope over the last couple of weeks, if you are going to bring Sun in, that they've been working hard on getting their flow back with their top four attackers, Maddo, Richie, Sun, Kulu, and really being that uh, that continuous monster and engine we saw earlier in the season. So if that was just a blip against the Wolves, then, you know, this is a good, a pretty good get right team with a non-threatening Crystal Palace to hopefully eat up. So I, I would definitely lean Solanke. I'm bringing, I'm probably going to bring both of them in oddly enough, but um, I would, I would agree with you. Solanke first, then possibly look at Sun. You'd like to see him do something. I, I think that's what kind of put me off of Huang last week too, is like these guys are played a lot of matches, traveled a lot and, they're just been like a little shaky. Nobody's really banged since coming back from the cups uh, per se. Respect that and uh, let it rip, Brian. You got to feel something this season. Let's go to FPL underscore Hunt. Connor's asking about the decision. Foden to Sun. We we rate that move. Like four four or five game weeks ago, I had this in my plans to make this transfer this week. But the way the past few game weeks have gone with Foden just being so good. And now them playing Manchester United at home, who I've just said I expect them to destroy them. I don't like it as much anymore. I think if you're, you know, chasing that EV with Sun on penalties and Sun playing as the number nine potentially, at least when Richarlison goes off, I don't mind it. But it's a, it's a very risky play, I think. But I know Connor personally. I know he's the kind of manager who's gonna chase that EV, and I think he will probably make this move. And I think it's a, a good one, but it's risky. I'm interested why Sun and not Richarlison. I actually think that Richarlison is more likely to bang in this fixture. I'll tell you uh, why. He... Because Connor is an analytics manager. I know that from his heart, he is an analytics manager. And Richarlison's X minutes have took a major hit because of Sun coming back and because them having all of these attackers. Sonny is pretty much guaranteed 90 minutes. He's on penalties. When Richarlison does go off, he will potentially move to that number nine slot. So I think for those reasons... Sonny is the, the better asset now. Meh, not convinced. For for those reasons and more, I'm out. So let's go to the next <laughs> question. Bangla FPL. It's not Shark Tank the, books. <laughs> uh, ha, ha. Who is the standout captain option in game week 27? We've been uh, flirting with this question and teasing it all across the pod. But Bangla is asking about specifically Man City assets. He's he's agrees with you, Black Wolf, that they are the ones to target. But he wants to know... Do we go Holland as the safe pick or do we get bold and wacky and weird, which I love Bowden or KDB in the mix? Are any of you bold enough to swerve the robot for one of his teammates? 
mean, I'm as bold as they can get. You've seen how shiny my head is. And even I would not go <laughs> for anyone apart from Haaland. I really wouldn't. It's just too risky. There's, there's no point. Yeah, owning a combination of those three players, if they all bang, then you're certainly on a green arrow. But just having Bowden and capping Holland is going to be a, a pretty solid play if you're expecting three-plus goals. And you would expect Pep to be a little bit furious at his team for this lack of goal-scoring output that he's so accustomed to seeing. So maybe they'll finally have a kind of a get-right big match in front of the Manchester crowd, and this one will result in a lot of FBL points. Yeah, if they want to win the title, they got to stop fafoing. They got to stop fucking around and finding out, or they're really going to find out by not picking up the Premier League silverware at the end of the season. Is that an Let's actual to- acronym? Fafo? Yeah, Fafo, never, baby. Fafo. I've never heard that before, like said out loud. I think I've read it on Twitter, but I've never like heard somebody speak it into existence IRL. Um, so thanks for sharing that with us, Bucks. No worries. When you have kids, uh, you look at your partner and you say, these these little ones, they're, they're faffoing hard right now, especially around <laughs> bedtime. Testing your patience on a daily basis. I know that's that's ain't sure. that the truth. Ain't that that's the truth. that's Let's what your to... that's what your little ones in my FPL team have in common. <laughs> I respect that. I respect that. Let's go to our final question from Hella FPL. This is really for the two top managers on the podcast. Black Wolf, who's your bet? Who would win in a street fight between me and you? I mean, it's no competition, books. I don't know why we're even asking this question. I would oh win boy. hands down. <laughs> Hands down in a street fight. You might win in like a sumo wrestling match or something like that. But Oh, shots fired. Shots a stri- fired. A street fight, I would win easy. And you know it. Come on, you know it. No, no way. I, if I got my hands on you, you'd be toast. Plus, like I am as a manager and as a podcast co-host, I play dirty. So I would I would kick you in the nuts. I would bite. I would I would I would claw. My girls have taught me some things. Eye gouges. Everything's on the table. Just win, baby, win. That's uh that's the Bucks family mantra i'm glad you're not asking me to pick sides because i see the a, a guy from the mean streets of england versus a, a prep school kid i i don't know man <laughs> i think you just answered the question right there uh, i got i got sharp <laughs> elbows honed on the uh the new york city park basketball mm. courts great question hella that's that's the kind of fun banter that this podcast is built around so uh, we want to get the FPL wisdom out, but we also want to be laughing at the end of every episode. Uh, even if Brian's laughing while he's crying on the inside, that's what it's all about here in FPL USA. So with that, let's transition to our final segment, transfer plans and captaincy shouts. What are we thinking for game week 27? Let's start with the manager at the top of the table, Mr. Black Wolf. What's the what's the story? Morning glory. I have one fee transfer, and I think for me it's very, very, very likely going to be Darwin out and Solanke in. For the reasons I said earlier in the community questions, I think that's the, the most obvious move for me. And then I'm just debating whether I do a minus four or not. It depends on team links, it depends on what happens in the in the cup. So potentially bring in some game week twenty nine players. But I think avoiding the hit has been going really well for me lately, so I'm probably going to continue avoiding the hit and just bring in Solanke. The only problem with that is it gives me a benching headache, and my bench would currently have Douglas Louise on it, so I'm a little nervous about that, but I think it's the sensible play. And my captain, hands down, is going to be Erling Haaland, unless we find out for some reason he's not going to play that game. 
but there's no chance he won't play in the Manchester derby. Hey, less sent, less fence sitting than usual. Love that from you, Black Wolf. Your butt cheeks appreciate it. Jen, <laughs> on to you. Uh, I don't know. I'm taking minus four, minus eight. Who the fuck cares? Let's let's hand it to you, Bucks. All right, that was quick and easy. I love it. I am up next. I have two point nine million in the bank, and I have this Adebayo sized hamstring problem on my team. I was really hoping he was going to be one of my guys going into double game week 28 and kind of an extra doubler over the field, but it's looking like that's not going to be. So I will be moving Adebayo to Solanke and captaining either Erling Holland or Bukayo Saka. I am very much caught in a toss-up 50-50. If now, I take now my... who's fence sitting, now who's fence sitting, but right, I'm going to say yeah, I'm going to captain, out, I'm gonna captain <laughs> Saka in game week 27. If I take a minus four, which is not out of the question, I would be moving off either Maguire or Riyad 8 Nori. Let's see who gets to have a game in 29, perhaps. And I would be bringing in a player from Arsenal. So I'd probably go, let's say, Maguire to Saliba, if funds permit, or Riyad 8 Nori to No Saliba. respect, Dan. No respect yeah. on this. You've, you've, got, you've got to stop calling him Riyad. It's Ryan 8 Nori. Nah, it's whatever I say it is. I'm I have him in my team. You don't even know who he is, bro. He's true. he's not in your yeah, FPL team. He's, he's got he's got a lot more win shares of uh twelve pointer from eight Nori than you do at the moment. Yeah. Fair enough, <laughs> yeah. fair enough. Ryan, Riyadh, he said I could call him whatever I want as long as I'm good to him and I keep him in the starting eleven. But I got his points, so he might be dead to me now. So we'll see <laughs> what happens in game week twenty seven. I think that's a podcast, boys. This has been really fun. We are looking to grow on social media. We're looking to grow in the podcast platforms. We just want to grow the FPL USA community. And we have the leader of that bandwagon as part of our podcast. He's also leading the ranks of our three co-hosts. That's FPL underscore Black Wolf, a.k.a. Dan. He's a legend on social media and in the USA FPL community. I am FPL USA Bucks. Having a pretty decent season. Could use a couple more followers on social media. I'm kind of funny and definitely obnoxious. And then we got the man who keeps... I agree on the latter. Yeah, I got the man that keeps everything on time and running according to plan. He might not have a plan of what's going to happen in game week 27, but he's still the man, and that's Brian Chin. It's at FPL USA. Brian, give us a follow at FPL USA. Press play on social media. We love you, and let's get some big green arrows in Game Week 27, baby!